1: Well, I got on my podcasting socks, I have got on mm-hmm. my dorts, and I'm ready to rock.
0: Dort. Stop trying to make dorts happen.
1: Dorts for everybody listening. Actually, maybe it would be dorts. dad shorts.
0: <laughs> dorts. Da- they're,
1: they're just khaki shorts. They're khaki shorts. They don't have any uh, cargo pockets, though, which the, is good. The only
0: thing that makes them dad-like is that you, a 40-year-old man, are wearing them.
1: And I haven't owned a pair of khaki clothing in... 20 years, maybe?
0: That's a question for you, not me. Man,
1: I remember Kelly dressing me up for probably church would have been the thing I dressed up for. Yeah. It. Khaki pants. Oh, of course. Sports blazer, like a blue blazer. Mm. I was like 11. My hair was like coiffed. <laughs> and you want to wonder why I don't like dressing up? That's it. I wasn't allowed to have any style. Just had to do wear that Do you have outfit. any hair
0: gel or like or just Absolutely. water? Absolutely. Did you ever go through that phase Always where you just gel. do some water? No. Always mm.
1: hair gel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome.
0: Hello and welcome. We gotta start with the preamble, obviously.
1: Okay, we can do that for sure.
0: So let's just kick kick it off. I think where we last left off, for the people who have not listened to the last episode, I think we went over Kokomo Villas in Greece. So we were still in Greece.
1: I hope we did, because if we didn't uh, then...
0: according to my notes. Okay, good. if we didn't, we'll go back and we'll okay. parse that. Figure it out. <laughs> right. So after Greece, uh-huh. we flew directly from um. Eric Leon, to Rotterdam, The Hague Airport in the Netherlands.
1: I have two traveling uh, like logistical anecdotes I'd like to bring up. Great. Number one, this was the flight you were the most nervous about so far. Yes. Because it was a budget airline, which is totally fine that they're budget airlines, but... We didn't have like our first row set up that we did in there. We, we
0: usually like being in the front where we have like more leg room and like it's easy and you get on the plane. Anyway.
1: Yeah. So this was Transavia. We were and directly we
0: were, in the middle of the plane. We were
1: directly in the middle of the plane, the row behind the extra row, but it was supposed to have extra leg room, which it did. Which, And check, I checked. think we can say.
0: It was a pretty good flight.
1: Flight was pretty good. Flight was pretty good. Now, the other part of the travel logistics I wanted to share, the Leon Airport it is a very small airport and there's too many people that come through that airport. Too many people. And even this was in like the middle of May and you're not even at the high season yet. Uh, what I found hilarious was you wait, you get your bags dropped off, you go to the security line, you're in line. I have never felt like everybody in that whole circumstance had no clue what anybody else was doing. <laughs> like some people were pulling laptops out, some people weren't. Some people were pulling liquids out, some people weren't. I got up there, and there was no person to, like, tell me what to do. Yeah. So I just, like, pulled the normal things out. I put them in. I didn't see a single bag get pulled aside for more screening. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. Oh, of course. But it's such a juxtaposition to, like, all the other airports we've been through. So it's just weird. Like, I, I like, armor up for the, like, the logistical nightmare that is that process. We've
0: talked about this before, which is just... Jason and I are both people who we really like to learn from our mistakes. We really like to apply our lessons moving forward to, to like, do better, be more efficient. Like those, we we are the same in that way. Yeah. And the funniest part of this whole trip has been with the airport experience. Every time we go through an airport, we learn something that we want to apply to a future airport Yes. and it does not apply. It doesn't. They are all different. So it's very hard for us because...
1: I just want someone to tell me more rules. W- like I want to get <laughs> there and just like, give me explicit like shoes on, shoes off, belt on, belt off, no. Apple Watch on, Apple Watch off. Because I randomly had to take an Apple Watch off during one of these airplane. It's these an aer- exercise
0: airports. in just... Dealing with uncertainty, which so, we'll talk about. Yeah. In this so episode. let's
1: let's talk about the actual country that we visited, not yes! just the travel logistics. Which this was, was so lovely. This was almost one that got missed. But the fun story about this one yeah. is that specifically Utrecht or Utrecht uh was the first city that we looked at on our year of travel list.
0: Which is so weird, but I just I can't remember how I stumbled across it. I think I was just really
1: I think what we did, if memory serves me correctly, we went Okay, we've said this all along. We want to go to, like, second-tier cities, not main cities. The first city that, for some reason, comes to mind is Amsterdam. Okay, what's a second-tier city near it? Or
0: I think Utrecht is on many of those listicles that are, like, lesser-known cities in Europe or whatever. Because, But what's funny is it's, yeah, it's like a mini Amsterdam. It still feels like a big city, but it's lovely. And we'll get to that in a second because we did do a day trip to Utrecht. So, anyway... We Netherlands was the Netherlands was high on our list. And then it kind of fell off because of like the way that our schedule kind of ended up. And then we had this like tiny window of time, of eleven
1: days eleven
0: days um leaving Greece, where we still had time to be in the Shenzhen region. um but before it had to be somewhere that was kind of on the way to our destination now. <laughs> oh, you almost spilled some beans. And uh, so the Netherlands is on our way. So if you <laughs> draw a vector between Greece and the Netherlands. and
1: I hope one person listening <laughs> to this busts out a world map, draws some a big t- circle around Europe. yarn protractor device. They've got the circle. And they're like, okay, okay, here it is. They're in this vicinity. I am
0: triangulating the <laughs> signal. Okay, yeah. anyway. Um, and it... What a unique country. What a lovely country. The best way I can describe it is like the whole of the Netherlands feels like I'm in a neighborhood. Yeah. Like it's very neighborhoodly. And what I mean by that is like it's green. It's family friendly. It's very well organized. Yeah. It feels very like thought out.
1: Well, and I think what's very interesting about this is we stayed in the smallest town that no one has ever heard of or visited for any reason. Even our reason. taxi
0: driver picking up from this airport was like, what? what? Why are you Where? There? Yeah. Why?
1: And so this is how this happens is we end up looking for Airbnbs. Yes. And then we end up, th- for this trip specifically, this 11-day chunk, we were chonk. Chonk. Because as we told you in the Kokomo Villas, Kokomo Villas were the most expensive Airbnb to date. Mm-hmm. So for this worth chunk- Worth it,
0: though, I'm being honest. Very
1: much worth it. But for this chunk of time, we wanted to save some money mm-hmm. so that that's how those things balance out. So that's how we didn't end up in Utrecht. That's how we didn't end up in Rotterdam. That's how we didn't end up in any of the bigger cities because the more affordable, with a little bit of space, although it ended up not being that much space, we'll get to that- uh, places that this Airbnb that we found was in the small town of Raywick. Mm-hmm. And that's R-E-E-U-W-I-J-K. Raywick. Raywick.
0: Raywalk. Raywick. Uh, you just kind of like... Probably
1: still saying it wrong. Just toss it out there. But yeah, we... So the reason you're saying neighborhoodly is because we basically stayed in a neighborhood for exactly. 11 days. We did do a day trip with two Utrecht, which we'll talk about. And it was, I will totally say absolutely lovely lovely yeah.
0: my favorite thing is right when we arrived first of all Rotterdam the Hague airport is like a smaller airport it's not but
1: very nice very nice yeah
0: and we got to our little neighborhood via our taxi driver and our Airbnb host welcomed us yep. because it's like he lives in a house where it's like a gated over these little canals yeah and those of you who have an idea of like Amsterdam and canals yeah canals are everywhere in Am- in. The Netherlands, and yeah. it's just so lovely and such a little like boat culture, and everyone has like a little boat and yeah. they go around but the canals.
1: Think of like tiny canals because when you if you've been to Amsterdam or seen oh yeah no of these videos. are like they're tiny. bigger boats are going to be passing like this is like you're in like a single small boat
0: like. Yeah, in the yeah. United States, basically those like drainage ditches on the yes. side of like Florida, but like two wide be- of those and, and filled with water and beautiful. Yeah. But my favorite thing is our Airbnb host welcomed us to let us into the gate and give us our keys and everything like that. And we ended up just like standing outside the little guest house because the Airbnb is the guest house to their main house. And we're chatting and we're telling them, telling them all about our trip and we're chatting. He's like, do you want to come back for a drink? And we were like, yes. And normally I would be so tired from a travel day, but because I did so well on my flight, Uh we were like, okay. And so we ended up going to this, he escorted us into the backyard and his wife came out and we just ended up like, you know, grabbing just like a little effervescent, not cocktail, what, you had a beer. but I had I, a beer, yeah. A little sparkling water in the backyard. And we just chatted with our yeah. new friends in the Netherlands, all about life in the Netherlands. And we talked to them about our trip and they asked us about places we had been. And anyway, it was yeah. just so lovely. And it was a very... Um, welcoming way to begin the trip and I found that Dutch people were very much like that yeah, the whole time much. we were there
1: and we yeah we found as well that uh, you know I was going this as you do with any country where English isn't the first language going okay how much language barrier are we going to have here you know we were just in Greece and like but we were at a hotel and we were in an Airbnb so like it wasn't a ton hmm And I mean, English is spoken pretty much everywhere. Like we went to a a little cafe that was right in downtown Raywick, which is the downtown as as small as you can imagine. And the person walked over, spoke some Dutch, had no idea what they said. And we're like, do you speak English? They're like, oh, of course I speak English. We're like, oh, okay, great. And just had come to find that uh, we met up with a friend later on and we'll talk about, but like. English is just spoken so prevalently, especially in the Netherlands. Yeah. And so that ended up not being a problem at all. But yeah, this little town, we found a little gym uh, that you oh, scouted out. the gym out. was perfect. And we just had like a 15-minute walk to this gym, and it just took us through this little town. And it this is one of the experiences that I think we were most looking forward to in this year of travel. All the adventure stuff is very fun and, very fun. and great. But Memories. this is like, what's it like to live in the Netherlands?
0: Exactly. And that's how it felt for 10 days. We got to experience what it would feel like if we yeah. lived there full time.
1: Yeah, and and so I I think this was just a great example of that life. Their lifestyle seems very much up our alley of what we would enjoy. Can I have
0: two share two fun observations about like the Dutch culture?
1: Absolutely, please. Okay, the
0: first one is more of like a, this is different and not what I expected. And the second one is like, I love this about their culture. Okay. The first one is our first grocery trip. What did we notice the second that we went in the store? The
1: Dutch love organization, but they really love, like, single packaged items for every single thing you could possibly everything
0: buy. Everything is packaged in plastic. Yeah. And this, I don't know why I had this idea of, like, wind power and, like, very, like, environmentally conscious, which yeah. I'm not saying they're not. But when I walked in this grocery store when and everything was in plastic, I was like, y'all, we got to yeah. do something about this. But I think we decided, and I don't know this for sure, but I think it's just the culture seems to be very organized and very like
1: methodical, methodical yeah. and,
0: and just like thoughtful. Yeah. And so it seems very functional in order to have, you know, and it is, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, very convenient to have like, here's a whole tapas board for a party packaged up in plastic yeah. here. And there's just like the whole store is that it's it just really like a is. million things in plastic. Yeah. And so that was like a way, a random observation just from what life is like there that I was like, this is not something I've ever heard someone talk about, nor did I expect The other thing that I noticed just from observations of going into restaurants and places is how family-centered the culture is. I have never been, definitely not in the States, have I been to like almost every establishment has a little corner in the back with just like books and toys. And it's just basically like throw your kids over there so (laughs) you as an adult can like – Hang out with your people. And I thought that was so wonderful that they very much think about families and think about, like, oh, parents are going to be coming here yeah. with their small children. How can we make this experience lovely for them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You definitely got that vibe. Even when we went into the bigger city of Utrecht, we got that vibe as well because we went to a coffee shop and, like, they had the same little corner for the kids. The nook. Uh, the thing I wanted to share with everybody was the restaurant. I think it's Landry is is what it mm. ended up being. It has a J at the end, and Lander- that's usually like
0: a, something. Yeah. uh,
1: So the <laughs> so this restaurant, we didn't have a car. We didn't we have a car. We were staying in this little neighborhood, so you can imagine if you're staying in a city and you don't have a car, you can always get around places. Right. There's Ubers. There's taxis. There's you know you can walk most places pretty easily. But we're in like a neighborhood. We're in like a suburban neighborhood of the Netherlands. And yeah, we didn't have bikes, which we looked like
0: doofuses. We totally should leave because because some feedback for the Airbnb. every L&B single person bike. in the Netherlands bikes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's so much biking. We definitely saw people who were looking at us as we were walking on our two legs being like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Have like bikes. you don't
0: actually see a lot of people walking. You see a lot of people biking and people looked at us weird like... You don't, those are legs, not tires. Yeah.
1: So we found this restaurant and this is one of those. It's like, if you've listened to our stories about travel, we live to eat. And this place looked so fun because it's essentially, it's on a farm. Yeah. And it's a restaurant that's like high quality food.
0: Farm to table. And it's as farm to
1: table as you could absolutely get, but like high quality food. Very. so we, we look it up and it ends up being four kilometers from the house mm-hmm. and so we're like okay so you do the rough calculations that's about two miles of a walk to walk there are you willing
0: to walk two miles to a farm-to-table restaurant and
1: so what we decided was
0: yes yes we are
1: we are so we we packed up our gear we got layered up because you just never know the weather changes pretty quickly and we made this walk and it was perfectly lovely the walk on the there, way there Totally lovely, and we were we were looking at some horses. We
0: walked through a yeah full we were, farm, and it was
1: just like we walked through a farm. We saw some cows, blah blah blah. And also,
0: because to... of the bike culture, lots of sidewalks, lots yes. of places to walk, which I love.
1: Yes, uh, and it was funny because when we Google mapped it, it looked like we had to walk along on the, the highway, highway, and I was like, but it wasn't. I'm not gonna walk I zoomed in to, to like the street view, and like there's a full bike path next yes. to the highway. So anyway, we get to the restaurant. It takes 45 minutes to walk there. Mm-hmm. So we're like good and hungry. So hungry. We There's a, a, a tasting menu that's like a five course surprise, quote unquote, menu, which I just love. Like that translation was fantastic. Yeah. And the person serving us was great. It was us and just a bunch of like blue hairs, like, just like all <laughs> the older people, which is just fantastic. There was a couple that came in and they were speaking a little bit of English, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, the food was fantastic. Like absolutely wonderful loved it so we finished our meal the meal ended up taking like three hours so then it's almost i mean it's it's like 9 p.m but it's dark
0: we thought no it must have been 10 because it 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 would stay late it stayed stayed light so late we didn't realize this like based on where we were geographically and also being like the height of the summer um but we thought we'll have plenty of light then because we went pretty early to this restaurant. We didn't realize the restaurant or the dinner would take us three hours. Yeah. So by the time we leave
1: And it didn't feel like three hours to me. No,
0: not at all. Yeah. But by the time we leave it starts actually getting for real dark. And we're like, yeah. no. Yeah. And so we're like, we have now we have to walk back two miles. It starts like <laughs> kind of sprinkling.
1: We had our rain gear though. We were playing for this. It was fine, but our boots. I'm,
0: I was like scuttling a little bit. Cause I'm like, yeah. Jason, pick up the pace. Well,
1: yeah, here's what happened is it's, it's now dark and we don't want to be walking in the dark. I mean, it's in a neighborhood. Like what's well, going to happen? It's fine. But it starts to rain, so you don't want to be walking in the rain forever. Then we start to hit these bug clouds of, like, just, oh, yeah. like, these, like, little, it's like, gnats. V- because
0: of all the canals and everything, it's very, like, wet, you yeah. know? So you get, you run into these little, like, bug
1: clouds. And we just, like, couldn't get away from it. We were both, like, running. <laughs> we are like, if anybody looks at us, we look probably like crazy people. So we're just like, Wah! Uh But we ended up making it back. And I think, like, I-, I burned, like, I keep track of my calorie burn on my watch. Like, every day is a consistent, like, 800 to 900 calories, like, a day. This day I burned like 1,700 calories. Sounds <laughs> I was like, yeah. I yeah. definitely that five-course surprise meal. Totally fine because we walked like 17 miles to get to it. It was
0: such a great memory and just a lovely experience. Now, the height of our Netherlands experience, though, yes. was our big day trip that day we trip did. To Utrecht. To Utrecht. And so one of the highlights definitely... We knew we wanted to do at least like one little day trip. Yeah. But one of the highlights for us... Of that entire trip was that we got to meet up with a Waymer. Hold on,
1: before we do that, we have to talk about just very quickly. Oh, sure. uh, We had to take a taxi to the train station and we took a train in, and Carol did a great job of like helping navigate that whole setup. But my favorite part of it Thank was you. the town where the train station was we had to get to was Chouda. Chouda. T- this is Gouda for those of it's you who are- It's spelled
0: G-O-U-D-A. It is actually the like where Gouda cheese is from.
1: But I just love this because I couldn't get over the fact that like, of course, as Americans, of course, the the name of it is Chauda from the people who created Chouda cheese. That is the name of it. But as Americans, we're like, mm, how do you say that? Nah, I'm gonna say gouda. That's how I'm gonna say it. This whole time, like that's all I could think about was like, yeah. the name is beautiful. Like, let's say how to cheese. Like, it's yeah, not that in, hard to in say. In our
0: defense, and in our language, we don't really have a a, <laughs> se- a <laughs> way to, uh, you know. Show everyone like this, sh- this G should be pronounced as a
1: but we, but Brie, we say Brie, you know, that's how they pronounce Brie. It's not like we say like uh, Brie. Brie, and Brie, yeah, exactly. Okay, See what you're I mean? right, yeah, you really, you
0: really got me. Okay, so
1: that's my stupid aside. Uh, so back to meeting a Waymer, yes. uh, Cheryl, and I will just say this is one thing that I wish we had more time and energy. I think that's really the thing to do on this trip. Granted, when the trip started, like we wouldn't have felt safe meeting up with a lot of people just because of all, you know, COVID and everything. And COVID's still going on, but it feels a little bit safer now as I think, you know, many people are getting back out into the world and doing things. And, we would love to see so many more ramers, but it was really fun to be able to see Cheryl and to go to this city and enjoy a f- like a full day with her that we ended up so having. So, shout
0: out to Cheryl because she was awesome and we just had a great day. So we had lunch and just like chatted. It, yeah. And you even commented, it was you had this weird realization where you were like, it feels so good to like laugh with someone who gets your humor because it's their first language yes. and like you could it was just an ease filled conversation and it made us realize, wow, like for you know, we've obviously had like good conversations with people since, you know, being on this journey, but a lot of times you're sitting and chatting and English is not their first language. And so you're, you're able to have great conversations, but not full of ease the way that you can with someone who also their native language is English.
1: Yeah. It was very interesting just to realize that halfway through, I'm like, Oh, like, you know, my silly jokes are landing and they're not being lost <laughs> in translation as they normally are. You know, someone's just like, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, this Ye- is a colloquialism or whatever. You're referring
0: to the way that I respond to your jokes, right?
1: Absolutely, for sure. Uh, but yeah, we got to have a delicious lunch with Cheryl. Then we walked and we found a coffee shop. And then we uh, you actually did like a little bit of shopping because, mm-hmm. you know, we were in a neighborhood and you're not going to find much there. And then we went to a lovely dinner at mm-hmm. a restaurant. But this was another like 30-minute walk to get to a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. But I will say it felt easier in the city because you're not going that far. Yeah, I have to say
0: I loved the city of Utrecht. It felt very much like the closest equivalent I could say is Boston in the United States. Like, felt very like green with like so many like green spaces, but like a a city but very neighborhoody. Lots of these like row houses, great restaurants. Like, I just really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and and I think for anybody who is like has the Netherlands on their travel list, but they're like, I don't know if I want to go to Amsterdam. We heard from so many people that were like just go to utrecht like it's a littler amsterdam you get a lot of the same canal feels there's cafes on the canals the city definitely feels like a big city but it doesn't feel overrun with tourists like we're tourists but we didn't see too many people so
0: yeah the country is definitely a place i'd like to go back to and maybe visit some of we we had talked about even wanting to visit like Den Haag, which is like the hague which is on like on the coast so it has a beach yeah like what's what's a dutch beach look like?
1: exactly yeah, uh, the other kind of like last realization about the Netherlands that we both thought was very interesting, it's so flat.
0: Oh, yeah, it's so flat. So
1: we've come from places where we're just used to like mountains and hills and, and in Greece, like the place we had just stayed, like everything is mountain around mm-hmm. you. And then just to come to this place that's like the flattest place you've ever mm-hmm. seen in your life, uh, it was just very interesting. And I remember driving to the airport on the day that we left and just looking and like forever you could see the Netherlands, like it just nonstop could see things.
0: Yeah. I also just wanted to say that is as far as like the emotional roller coaster of being on this trip, I, we were, I was so excited to just kind of, I'd been eyeing the Netherlands as like, okay, once we get past, I mean, Greece was kind of vacation vibes and that really recharged us, but I was kind of eyeing the Netherlands as like, once we hit that, we're past like the really busy spring season of when we were traveling all the time. And I was just so looking forward to kind of like Getting my feet back under me. Getting my routine going. I was feeling so good those first couple of days. I felt like I was in my element in a neighborhood. And then what happened? Do you remember? No. (laughs) It's so funny because we've like already forgotten. Yeah. On my last day in Greece, I was eating a salad for lunch.
1: Oh, yeah. And I
0: bit the inside of my lip really hard.
1: I, I cannot believe that was that long ago. I
0: know. And I don't know if anyone else has that. It happens to me every once in a while. But anyway... I bit my lip so hard that I didn't even notice it really caused like a gash the first few days by the like third or fourth day that we were in the Netherlands, I've now developed this extremely inflamed, like,
1: yeah, like a, it's like a fat lip. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I had this like huge fat lip and it was so, 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 so you painful. You really can't catch a break. Well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. It was so painful and it was all I could think about and all I could do. I couldn't even talk. It was why we had to like push the podcast back and like all these things. Um, and so I just wanted to share that because we're going to talk about being highly sensitive in this episode. And it just was such a bummer because I felt like I was really going to hit my stride. And then for like the next two weeks, all I had to deal with this, like, and it sounds so silly, right? You're just yeah. like, Oh, a cut on your lip. But like, it really affected my ability to do just about everything. Yeah. And even like going into Utrecht and like talking for a lot of hours during that day was really hard because then like the whole next day it was so painful um so i was just like damn it but it still didn't take away from how much i enjoyed the country and it did eventually heal and it's almost completely healed now yeah so.
1: i think a uh, big takeaway from from us being in the netherlands if the netherlands is on your list 100 percent go we loved it we thought it was so beautiful we thought the people were so friendly there's just so many interesting things to see that are different from so many other countries and just the way that they do things um yeah go check it out that's for just sure.
0: us with every country though right Every single place much, we go, yeah. I'm like, put it on your list. <laughs> and I think that's a
1: that's a really good metaphor just for like why we're doing this year is because you can think about all these places and you can hear people talk about the ups and downs, but it's like when you actually get on the ground in a place and when you actually meet the people and you actually see it, there's always something it's lovely always to It's always a had. net positive. There's always something. There's a memory you can make. There's a nice person you can chat with. It's just like, even where we are like right now here, like... The coffee shop that we go to, like I just I love it. Like I, I love that we have like a person who knows us and we chat and like those are my favorite things on this this journey this year is just finding all those in every single country and going like, oh okay, yeah, like we're all doing this thing together and like yeah, it you looks a little bit different. It sounds yeah. And yeah. but like it's all it's all good. Like we're all just here trying to figure this out. For sure. All right, let's get into being sensitive because as a sensitive person who's uh higher than sensitive. That's me.
0: This is the bit where he pretends (laughs) that he's me and he does thought patterns that are me.
1: No, so I'm actually very interested to see how this episode goes because we have kind of talked about this in like little spurts here and there, but this is kind of our first Deep dive into this We've never done a
0: dedicated episode to this? No. That's interesting. Not at
1: all. We've done a dedicated episode on anxiety, which is where we talked about some of these same things, but I think, and we were just talking about this and we were making notes for this. I'm going to jump around in your notes, but just, I think this is a good place to start, which is, I think the idea of people being highly sensitive people is now becoming more known in culture. Absolutely. Just like any mental illness is becoming more known and it's becoming more understood and it's becoming more recognize as a thing that's like, Oh, you're not just being sensitive. You are sensitive. Like right. you, you have, this is like a, a thing that you are. And so we have to figure out, okay, this is who you are. Like, how do we navigate that in our lives? That's
0: also just to be clear about what you just said. I don't, cause I don't think this is what you were saying, but I just want to be clear. I don't think it's characterized as a mental illness, Yes, nor is it, I'm not even sure if it's a disorder of any kind, right. it's just a trait. Yeah. And so you know, before we get started, for those of you who actually haven't heard this term, because we think it's so known, but yeah. I think it's very known to those of us who identify as HSP because we've, out of sheer necessity, had to find this um, as a means of understanding our own, you know, traits and inner worlds. But for those of you who don't know, we're referring to a term called highly sensitive person or highly sensitive people. Um, And that, you know, is sometimes abbreviated to HSP. And so I first stumbled upon this term when I remember it so distinctly. I was reading the book, uh, Susan Cain's book, Quiet, which is the book on introverts. And we were on vacation in Ojai and I had brought this book and I was reading it. And I get to this section where she starts talking about this idea of a highly sensitive person. And she was actually citing, so the the psychologist Elaine Aaron, that's the person who started like spearheaded this research in the the early 1990s and started doing all this research on identifying this trait and trying to uh, create research studies to actually kind of formalize it as a thing observed in people and to just be really, to oversimplify it it's just basically people who process stimuli in a in a way that makes them highly sensitive to stimuli basically so yep. um it's also sometimes called sensory processing sensitivity um and so yeah literally just more sensitive to forms of stimuli she estimates roughly 15 to 20 percent of the population is actually highly sensitive so that's quite a big yeah section um and I'll just go over some traits in case you're someone who hasn't heard of this yeah. And maybe-
1: Maybe you just think like, am I more sensitive than other people? Maybe this is the trait that you have. Because I
0: started reading this list. This list isn't pulled specifically from the book that I read, but I started reading things like this and it was just like light bulbs going off in my head. So here are just a few. There are lots and lots of observed traits in highly sensitive people, but here are a few that have been studied. So easily overwhelmed by bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or loud sounds. Let's say Check, 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 check. Um, A desire to withdraw after busy days or stimulating experiences. Check. A rich, complex inner life. Deeply moved by art, music, and delicate tastes.
1: You are so deeply moved. I live to eat. I'm so deeply moved. A butterfly flies around and, like, you just melt.
0: (laughs) Also, just like music, or like, I was watching a dance clip from So You Think You Can Dance the other night. I cried. Yeah. Like, things like that. I mean, of course, you don't have to be a highly sensitive person to be moved by art. But um, if you're someone who maybe that happens to you often, that might be something. Easily upset by violence. Again, most people are upset by violence, but like, to a degree that it, you feel more, right. A lot of these are just about being heightened. Like, do you feel like it affects you more than most people? Um, very attuned to others, energies and moods, very sensitive to pain. And (laughs) this one I thought was funny that we haven't talked about, uh, being very hungry creates a strong reaction.
1: Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Oh, I
0: forgot. Easily startled. Easily
1: startled. I was just going to say. We just,
0: in reading research, so there's a lot that Jason and I talk about a lot that um, helps understand some of my behaviors. But easily startled is one that we never thought of before. And we've Oof. had this, this, uh, Fight is a strong word. It's not a fight, but like this point of friction in our relationship before where when we're in a car, I'll gasp and Jason's like, Hey, as the driver, that's really distracting because it makes me feel like we're about to get in an accident. And we've been over this a million times where it's like, it is involuntary. Like, right. and I've tried to like control my gas, but, I've tried, but I just, I'm very easily startled by things.
1: Sometimes you look out a window and a leaf falls out of a tree and, and, you just like, <laughs>
0: and
1: I'm like, oh, is the semi truck going to hit us? You're like, no, a leaf fell. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. That's awesome.
0: So that's just a quick introduction. And so this has been on my mind lately because I played a podcast clip for you about highly sensitive people. as a means of like trying to better understand me because I felt very seen in it. And so we've been talking about it a lot lately. Also a friend of mine who's a highly sensitive person is also raising a highly sensitive kid and she's going through it right now because that is a tough thing to navigate. And so we just thought maybe a whole dedicated episode, literally just about our personal experience of what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who is highly sensitive. My experience of what it has felt like to be highly sensitive And my hope is just that if you're in a relationship with someone who is, you know, an HSP, maybe this can help you understand them. If you are a person who's an HSP, maybe this makes you feel more seen.
1: Yeah. And I think from my perspective, why I really wanted to share this, because I know that this episode can feel a lot of, it can feel very vulnerable for you because Mm -hmm. this is you that we're talking about Mm -hmm. through the majority of this is that I am the unemotional one of the two of us. And so for those of you who are listening who are the sensitive people in your relationship, maybe this will help you to explain things to your significant other or to people in your life who are like me, mm-hmm. where I'm not highly I'm like the complete opposite of highly sensitive. I am lowly sensitive. I am low sensitivity. Like I stub my toe and it. I can compartmentalize the pain within a second. You stub your toe and like the week schedule has to be cut clear. <laughs> it's so like true. it's just like that's it's I bite, over. I
0: bite my lip and our podcast is gone. <laughs> for,
1: yeah, and and but I do think in all seriousness, our hope is that in having this conversation, those of you who are wondering if you're a highly sensitive person might be able to name the thing mm-hmm. that you've been feeling for quite a long time in your life. But also, you might have someone in your life that you could go like, hey. Like uh, this podcast episode, like get past the 20 minutes of them talking about the travels. I think this could really help you listen to like you're the Jason in my life who may not have ever understood how I feel. Maybe this will just help you to understand. Right. Cause that's
0: what I just did to you recently yeah. in an, another podcast. I said, can you listen to these five minutes? Because it really makes me feel seen and it'll help you understand, you know, how I feel on a daily, day-to-day basis. And you were so wonderful in listening to it. And we had a long After conversation. I said, Don't tell
1: me to live my life. <laughs>
0: yeah. right. No, you didn't. And it was so lovely. And it, it was a beautiful point of conversation to help us communicate like anything I think that helps you feel more seen and understood that you can then communicate to your partner that will help you feel more seen and understood in your relationship is a is a positive thing. Yeah. And we're not gonna be able to cover it all in this episode, but maybe we'll do like a little Q and A if you know, yeah, a follow up episode. I, yeah, or I think
1: if this episode goes well, we would love to keep chatting about this because again, the more that we talk about this, these things, the more that we normalize them, the less it becomes, oh, you're just a sensitive person. And then more it becomes, oh, you're a sensitive person. Like that is the mindset shift that I have made in our relationship of in the beginning when these things started to pop up, I'm like, stop gasping at leaves out the window. Stop <laughs> like, you know, deleting your entire Google Calendar when you stub your toe. Like, yeah. d- get over it. And yeah, and not, I was never that no, rash about it. But I, it has become a shift in how I think when, especially this year, like, oh my gosh, like we're putting you through the ringer and you're doing a great job, but there are certain times when it's just like, hey, I can't do anything for days. Yeah. And for my brain, it's it's still taking, it, and it will probably take more years I don't understand why it takes you days to recover. Like, yeah. And it's only because my personal lived experience is that it does not take me days to recover.
0: Exactly. And that's all That's all life, right? Like it's yeah. hard to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. But I think that's actually a really good place to start because what you're just describing of is the way that the world often treats, I feel like, sensitive people, which is that like or at least this is how I felt. Maybe I won't say that, but this is how I felt growing up is like something was wrong with me Mm -hmm. because our world isn't set up for, you know, sensitivity. Our world is set up for, you should be able to fire on all cylinders all the time. You shouldn't have needs of resting. Like we live in a very like the
1: U S exactly the U S culture, the
0: work culture, like all of that. And also when you're a kid, you, being a highly sensitive kid brings about a lot of difficulties for your parents and you end up feeling like a burden a lot of the time, yeah. you know, because processing your emotions that takes time or even when you're a kid and you don't know how to process your emotions, it's very inconvenient. So for me personally, like I grew up, you know, my parents were divorced, but most of the time I lived with my mom, my stepdad, my older brother, and then my two older stepbrothers. So there was three older boys in me in my household. Yeah. And I felt like the black sheep all the time because I, and I, not only was I the baby, but I was the highly sensitive baby. <laughs> and so that's how they treated me. You're, Oh, the baby, like yeah. the cry baby, the sense you're so sensitive. Your skin is so um, thin. thin. And like, that was always the narrative that was being kind of like uh, pushed to me. And so I grew up with this feeling of like, the, Oh, it's just me. Like, I'm just like, you know, defective in this way. This is a personality flaw. And that's why it's so powerful when I read that book and I feel, and I realize that there's a term for it because I realize I'm not alone. That's what that feeling was. It was like, oh, I'm not defective. I'm just biologically built in such a way that my brain is processing in a different way. Like I'm experiencing pain in a different way. I'm experiencing emotion in a different way. That's not to be like, oh, whoa, I'm so special. It's just to be like, oh, it changes my own self narrative to where it's not so negative. It's like, okay, all right. Like this is the way that we're built. Like what can we do with this? And so that's why I want to start with there because I think that highly sensitive people can often fall into this self narrative of like being a burden and feeling like we're so difficult to deal with you yeah. know what I mean
1: now how do you think that's evolved in our relationship
0: um I think that because i was asking
1: you when we were started talking about the notes for this not to throw another question at yeah. you but I was asking, do you feel like you have gotten, have you always been as highly sensitive as you are or have you gotten more sensitive as you've gotten older?
0: And what I, so this is a really interesting question. Thank you. (laughs) So I think I've always been this sensitive. I've always been this innately highly sensitive person. Like I think it is an innate trait, but when you're a kid and you experience what I just said, which is you start to feel like a burden, you develop coping mechanisms in order to survive where you, to, to survive in my family as this like very different person, I, and for a whole host of other reasons that we won't get into, thank you therapy, but like I became this highly functioning version of myself who buried herself in academics and like people-pleased and made everyone happy and became a star A student and like overachieved my way into not being seen for the thing that I felt so self-conscious about, which was being so sensitive. And that will only last you to a certain point. So I think it's very fascinating. A lot of people, whatever their coping mechanism of choice is, I think it really starts to like, break down around the age of 30. Yeah. And so you see a lot of people at the age of 30, like major burnout, major midlife crisis, like health problems, anxiety, like everything starts to get so loud. And I think it's a combination of two things. I think the coping mechanism just was like exhausting for so many years that you finally, your body just says, this is just exhausting. And I think it's a combination of that and also with age becoming more comfortable with who you actually are. And so you start to feel comfortable enough to drop some of those defenses. So for me, I just have become a lot more comfortable with being my authentic self. And so now I can actually, instead of keeping up the ruse of like push through, push through, overachieve, overachieve, hustle, hustle, now I'm in a safe, loving relationship where I feel seen and heard. And so I can go to you and say, this is how I'm really feeling. Yeah. So it might seem like over the years it's gotten more prevalent, but it's only because I've I've truly been this way inside, but now I feel safe enough to fully be able to voice how I'm feeling. Yeah. Okay. And so what was your original question? It was like,
1: how do you think this has evolved in our relationship over time? Okay.
0: So that's probably like yeah. one answer to that question is just that I feel you have provided a safety and a comfort in our relationship now, 12 years in to where I feel like I can voice, you know, like I need rest or I'm feeling really depleted right now, or, um, I need time alone or like all of those things. But I think also we've just gotten so much better at like communicating and having language around all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. um, I will say that one area that I think will continue to have to just adjust over time is that as I've become more vocal about what my needs are, I become equally as fearful that you will resent me
1: for for having so many
0: needs. (laughs) needs. And this is something that we have to kind of like check in on all the time. Yeah. The resentment piece of it. And
1: I do think that's a big part of from my side of things of trying not to build that resentment because... There in any relationship there's a give and take, obviously. But I think that there, especially in a relationship with a non-emotional and a very emotional person, there is a lot more give from the non-emotional person's side. Because like I'm trying to Walk around a lot of different things to make sure that I'm giving you space and I'm, you know, being there and I'm listening and, you know, all this stuff that doesn't come naturally to me. And so it's like I have to like give a lot in those things. And so you, over time, you can absolutely develop a resentment of like, oh, like I wish I could just like stop doing this. But for me, I've never thought that way at all. I've always just thought like, oh, like you're my person. I love you. You have so many other amazing qualities, which we just don't have time to list (laughs) here. Otherwise, (laughs) we would. But there are the highly sensitive moments that are just challenging of course and and they're the moments i think in our relationship where there are also little inflection points for us to like help us grow as a couple but they're not anything that like gets fixed right away either they're like oh hey like i need you to like be a better listener when i'm telling you like how i'm feeling and so for me i'm like well what the hell does that mean you mm-hmm. know like I listened to you and you're like, yeah, but you didn't hear me. And it's like that whole game. It's like, yeah, but, but no, like I, I heard the words and You're like, yeah, but you didn't like soak them in and like really understand them. And like, yeah, no, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like all I can do is just listen and then like try and figure out what to do. But I think that's been a big, a big thing for us that we've worked through for now 12 years is I just really, as much as my brain wants to immediately fix every problem, I try and slow down from that and just ask like, like what do you need for me in this moment? Like right. that's my go-to now. Yes. Which is just, it's, I don't find that to be a very helpful question because if anybody asked me that, I'd be like, I don't need you. Like that's right. the difference. Yeah. It's like, I'll figure it all out myself. Yeah. But for you, you 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 don't necessarily need me, but you need something.
0: Yeah, because, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if this is true across, all HSPs. But I know for me, being this way is a very isolating experience because you imagine, and maybe this is like some of that like childhood trauma, I don't know, of just growing up in a family where I didn't feel very validated for my feelings. But like, by the way, this that's not anything wrong with the way that i was raised or like any they they had no way of knowing that that's what i needed that's what i was saying at
1: the very beginning exactly. of this right so we didn't know
0: so when i say that i just say it very non-judgmental or blaming i just say it as a very matter of fact like just growing up in that way but it's like it can be a very isolating experience to have all of these deep feelings to have all of these like deep sensations and perceptions happening all the time And to have this like rich, complex inner world where you have this awareness of all of that and then to feel like nobody understands that that's happening. It's like you're living all of these lifetimes within you at all times and nobody knows where you've been. Does that... That's a yeah. really weird, abstract way of describing it. But that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm constantly going on journeys within myself, but I can't describe where I've been or what I've learned or how I'm feeling or how hard it was or how exhausting it was. And so it's like, I'm now I'm engaging in a conversation and I feel like I've lived 12 lifetimes in the past day. And you're like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, I've just been on like a journey across the Sahara, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Um, yeah.
1: And I'm like, no, you haven't. you been sitting on the couch all day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Right. You're like, you haven't moved. And I'm like, but haven't I? <laughs> (laughs) Um, so that part's hard. And so I do think that like a lot of times when I'm feeling a certain type of way, that's what we've now learned is like, and what I was, what we were sharing in that conversation the other day is like, a lot of times I just want my pain validated. A lot of times I just want my exhaustion validated. I just want someone to see that, you know, I'm having these experiences so that I don't feel so alone in that. But it's on me also to try to communicate that and try to tell you that because you're not a mind reader and you're not built like me. And yeah. so I, if I live the rest of our marriage expecting you to understand the journey that I've been on, which is an inherently inside journey, it will always lead to, like you will never feel enough. Yeah, And I never want you to feel that way.
1: And I think that's a big part of this that we have really started to learn too. And, and you wrote about this in a recent email newsletter that we sent out to the the Pham fam in our emo tactical tip series. What a great series that was. Uh, but it was just about this idea of you're having this whole discussion and like thought and like things in your head. And I think as a highly sensitive person, that's going on all the time. Like in my head, it's like, mm, when's the next time I'm going to have coffee? Like that's it. Like there's not a whole lot of things going on up there mm-hmm. or cinnamon rolls would have been the better thing for being honest. But what we've really come to is that I just need you to explain to me and to share with me what you've been thinking about and like where you've been in your head Mm -hmm. so that I can understand where you're at in that moment. Yeah.
0: And something, so not only just my thoughts, right? So this is another distinction I want to make that maybe we haven't even talked about, but like
1: breaking news here at the uh, podcast.
0: There's, there's my thoughts. There's the journey that I've been on in my thinking brain, like the chatter that's in my head, the inner dialogue, you know, here's the story I'm telling myself about this, all those things. And and that is something I have to communicate to you. But there's also this unspoken thing in my brain that's just straight perceptions that adds to a, I don't know how to describe it except to say like a hardship tax on, on any given day. So like, you know, for example, I have a weird pain in my left leg right now. I don't know what it's from. It feels like my muscles have ripped apart and now they're like, sore from that. Okay. My lip is still healing. Um, I, I'm, I was a little dizzy yesterday because of my eye condition. And it's like at any given moment, my brain is like rolling through these perceptions without any words attached to them, but it's just an awareness that I have. And it's like this ticker of awareness. My leg hurts, my lip hurts, my, um, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm like all of these perceptions, loud noise. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, exactly. Like leaf falling scary. Like, uh, like just these per the best way I can describe it is just perceptions. Like it's a, it's an awareness. And when I say as a highly sensitive person, my brain processes stimuli differently. That's what's happening. It's like this, this zapping conversation that's happening between brain and sensations all the time. Yeah. And so it's exhausting and I don't have the mental uh, like mm, capability to just compartmentalize the way that you often describe that you do. Yeah. So like you were talking about joking about your stubbed toe, but like you can stub your toe and somehow you have this thing in your brain that just goes, oops, stub my toe. Any, Hey, brain, any pain that you sense from my toe, put it in that box from now forward. That and black box that we we'll in
1: 20 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that we will definitely get to at some point. And so I envy that because, God, that sounds so lovely to just be able to put all that in a black box, but I don't have that gear, you know? Yeah. And so what we've started doing that we need to do more uh, regularly. We used to do this on from an anxiety perspective yeah. back at home. We used to have an anxiety scale. So any given day, Jason would be able to see my anxieties at an eight today. Or, it was
1: like a physical, it was scale like a physical made, like like, a little slider
0: slider that I, in my office that I would put in. So it was like today's a five or today's a 10. Like t- I'm going to be in the dark room, like meditating for like two hours. Like yeah. don't talk to me. But for this trip, especially since my anxiety knock on wood has been a lot better lately. I've been, I've been just calling it a hardship scale Yeah. so that you know, cause if you, you just like at any given moment, I'm, I'm having some sort of hardship. <laughs> this is what you need to understand. And I get it, but like, this is just what it is to be me. Yeah. And I know that compared to what other people are going through in their lives, I know it's nothing. Okay. But that's not how this works. If you're an HSP, like it, there is no comparing what you're going through. It's just hard. And so I have to find a way to commute, communicate to you. Like, is this a minor inconvenience or is this like a code red? I am done for the day. I'm wiped out. I, so I've been trying to find this way to quantify it to you so that, you know, oh, like, and also so I can keep myself accountable. Right. Because this is another thing about being an HSP. It can sometimes drift into this place of, victimhood, staying in a very victim-y place where it's like, nobody knows how hard this is yeah. for me. This is so difficult, like blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't actually help you in your life. And so I have to st- work through this all the time and go, okay, Caroline, how how hard is it though? And, and do you have any energy left in the tank to push through this right now or to still you know do the dishes even though you're totally wiped out like where are you on that scale I'm
1: such a stickler about you doing the dishes you know what I'm saying no, Not the dishes.
0: so it's almost like I have to decide when to cash in my chips a little bit because that's also the contract that I think I've made with you as my husband of like you know I'm trying here yeah like and that goes back to the resentment piece, which is, I think, part of what keeps the resentment at bay is that if if you know that I'm trying within my capability to contribute to the household, to contribute to whatever the task at hand is that we're trying to accomplish as a team, whether it's traveling and yeah. buying a train ticket or doing this or doing that, if I just went strictly off of like, you know how my energy is at any given moment I would never do shit because I would just be like I'm done (laughs) everything's hard but I have to be honest with myself and go okay in this contract in being a team in being in this marriage together I need to be honest about what I can actually give right now because that's the only way that this works because the second that I just decide that it's your job because you're the less emotional person to do everything and I'm the one with the more needs and that's just the way it is there. You will get resentful of that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think getting back to kind of like the, the takeaway from that whole piece that I really wanted to make sure people hit home, especially for those of you who are the me in the highly sensitive relationship is what I've really learned to understand and try to ask you to, to share is like a perfect example is maybe earlier in the day we've been like, hey, are you going to make dinner? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to make dinner. And so like we go through the day and we're doing the things and whatever. And Like nothing has happened in the day. Like nothing to derail you. And then I'll come in and like maybe I've been on my computer for like two hours, like just like editing and like I haven't even noticed you exist. And then then I like, I come to you and it's like 6 p.m. And I'm like, hey, are you ready to make dinner? And you're like, no. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, what did I miss? And like, this is where I like... I just have to like get you to tell me like, Oh, like, you know, my leg hurts and my, this, and then I'm super dizzy. And i like, that's freaking me out. Cause I don't know why. And like all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I get it. Like mm-hmm. that's I- I'll make dinner. Mm-hmm. But, but I think a big part of that is what we've tried to do is not let it get to that place totally. and have it get to a place where ahead of time you can be saying like, Hey, like, I just want to let you know. And this is like the hardship scale, right? Like yep. ahead of time, like, I'm feeling really dizzy this afternoon. Yep, and I don't know why, and like you know, it's, it's freaking me out or whatever. And just like I just you know need you to just like let me be. Yeah, and, and I'm like okay, g- like first of all that sucks, but second of all, like good. I'm glad that I know because yeah. otherwise I would have gone under the assumption for the rest of the day. You're making dinner. Why are you not like you agreed to this? This is a social contract we had in our relationship.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think like as the highly sensitive person in the relationship. It's taken me a while to also put myself in your shoes and realize, like, how in the scenario that you, the very exaggerated scenario. <laughs> so unrealistic,
1: that never, has happened. never has happened.
0: Okay. <laughs> feeling a little seen, feeling a little
1: exposed. Don't you see that I notice you? And I, I did
0: feel like, first of all, I would never, like, a 13 year old teenager go, oh, I saw, but, like, that's how it feels. So, actually, that's pretty you accurate, I guess. Did? Um, but what I was going to say is it's taken me a while to put myself in your shoes and realize like if I don't communicate that and you're just walking right into that, it can very easily start to feel like you're walking on eggshells and you're in a minefield, right? And that's what I never it to feel like. And this is something that I really have. We've talked about like wanting to get dialed in before we have kids too because I don't want to create a volatility or like an emotional volatility that people have to tiptoe around. Yeah, I never want it to be that because I, I think that can create some unhealthy patterns. So instead, I think it's about communicating, over communicating, sharing when something has derailed me or when I need rest or um, you know I'm feeling particularly overstimulated or whatever I wish those I had things like
1: are. An app like I could just look at like my Caroline app like
0: I'm a sim or something and, and you're like, like oh, oh my app at? needs to rest oh
1: the dizziness is up and the pain is up god <laughs> I wish
0: that too I'll yeah. create that so I can just change my levers throughout the day and you're like ah oh, yeah this is a good idea <laughs> <laughs>
1: How to save Listeners, a relationship. Listeners, do you think this
0: is a good idea? If you had an app where you could like let your partner know like where your where yeah. your inner world is at at any given point during the day so that they could respond to you accordingly, let us know. It'd
1: be better if you could just like swallow a chip and then the chip mm. just talks to the app and you don't even have to say anything. It just oh, makes... well,
0: we got vaccinated, so we've already got that.
1: Okay. <laughs> wow, interesting. <laughs> All good. right, what do we have left here? Because we're encroaching on an hour, so we want to...
0: Be mindful of everything. I'm going through our notes, and something that we kind of touched on but is important is just that it takes time to develop a communication between each other in order to navigate these situations. And it wasn't just like, oh, I read that book and discovered HSP. And then I told you about it and you were like, cool. And then our relationship was like a million times better from that point forward. It's been a conversation that we've had to have for years yeah. and we're still having it based on what I just said about playing you a podcast episode the other day. Yeah.
1: And I think one of the things I wanted to mention, we were talking about that scenario. That's very unrealistic and has never happened. With It was
0: just for illustration illustration purposes purposes only. only.
1: Um, Is that, as the other person who's not the highly sensitive person, all I know is my worldview. So, like, I'm coming to you and, like, I know that you're highly sensitive, Caroline. But I don't see you as that in every minute of life. Yeah. I see you as, like, the full picture of you. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, Caroline is ready to do the task that we agreed upon earlier today. Right. That's how she feels. And, like, yes, maybe you've been in a pile on the couch and, like, haven't moved for four hours, but like in my brain, I'm just like, she's just been being comfy. Like, yeah. I don't know that you've been feeling like crap and they're like, your day has taken a turn or
0: that I'm trying to recharge or yeah. that I'm trying to like, you don't know any of that.
1: I don't know any of that. And so I just think like, that is the so important part of this is the communication piece and just understanding the time that it takes. Like even that, like I told you when you played that podcast episode for me in that five minutes, I was like, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I am going to forget this in like two weeks Yeah. because as much as I love you and I care and I want to remember it, I'm going to be thinking about, I mean, all the travel logistics that we're going through, but like all of my normal life things that are like wired into my brain hard. Yeah.
0: And that's like you saying to me, like when, when we have to talk about this again, please don't receive that as I don't care. Exactly. Please receive that as I'm just a human being. And if we need to have this conversation three or four more times before we come up with like, a way to integrate it into our daily interactions, like let's do that. And yeah. I think that's a really smart thing to do and and to, so that I don't then make up a story about that when it exactly. comes, you know? And and also like what I've learned too as a highly sensitive person is like, you are so different from me. And I, I've now have realized in those moments when I bring those things to you, don't make up a big expectation in my head about how you're going to respond, right? Yeah. Because it's impossible for you to live up to that. So reminding that it's just, a conversation starter and there's no right or wrong way for you to respond. Yeah, And all I can do is try to open the door for you to better understand my inner experience so that we can know each other deeper. Yeah, um, And another thing I wanted to say that I just want to commend you for Oh, nice. is that, you know, I talked earlier about this self-consciousness as an HSP of like feeling like I'm a burden or feeling like I'm the one limiting our relationship in so many ways because like, Traveling is a perfect example. I can't travel at a pace that maybe you would want to travel at because I physically can't handle it. And so we have to go at my pace. And it's hard for me to feel sometimes like I'm the one holding us back. But I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I've never felt like a burden to Jason like on the whole. And I was like trying to dissect why is that? Like, what have you done that has facilitated that? And I think it's because there's this mutual respect that we have because you've never treated me like it's something about me that you wanted to change. Right. Like you've never treated me like, I wish you were not like this. And I think that's a really powerful thing for partners of highly sensitive people to hear and and to maybe carry into their relationship is like, and I think the way you communicate that is, is by, even when you're frustrated, it never comes off as like,
1: like, oh, Ang- like, anger. this is too much. Yeah, it's yeah. never
0: anger. It's never frustration. It's never, I wish you were different. If anything, it's sometimes just confusion and curiosity. Like, help me understand what yeah. you're going through. Like,
1: like legitimately, I don't understand what you're saying in, like, a feeling capacity, you know? And yes, so like-
0: and so it's like, but but it's what do you say after that? It's like, I don't understand please help me understand exactly. and there's yeah. there's like an opening to there's like an invitation there that it, that is so necessary in having a strong relationship rather than just being like, why are you like this? Yeah. you know
1: yeah and I think for any relationship where you're just very different people, which is all relationships really exactly it's just trying to understand that the whole picture of the person is who you chose and a part of this picture, and we'll just use a metaphor of a framed picture that has a piece of glass that like has a small crack in it. Like it doesn't ruin the whole picture. It's just a part of the picture you have to be mindful of so that you understand how it works.
0: I don't love the metaphor because of the broken.
1: Oh, well it's not broken. It's just a crack. (laughs) It's lobby sabi.
0: Yeah, Which of course. The art that's of like, beautiful.
1: That's a, yeah, 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 See, oh, oh well, we he around. just touche with the wabi sabi. Should have oh, gone with the ceramic
0: bowl first, with the gold crack. <laughs> no, it. I totally hear what you're saying, and that's for every personality trait. But
1: that's also a really good example of a lot of times my simpleton emotional brain will use words that it, that are that'll say something, and you're like, hey that makes me feel a X certain type of type way. Of, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll be like, oh, that's not what I meant at all. And so yes. I'll have to like backtrack, 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 backtrack. But it, it's important, I think, for, for both of us to be able to like give me the space to not feel like I'm a bad person totally. when I just said a thing about totally. you. It's more of just you understanding like, oh, well, that's just how I saw it. It wasn't like a terrible thing. It was just, that's how
0: I saw it, like the my, totally. That's, again, and there's nothing like, wrong with it, but yeah. I actually did write that down. And we didn't cover it, but we th- I wrote this down as like an important tool that we've developed in our relationship. So level one of communication is like communicating how I'm feeling and like all the things we did talk about, which is like, you know, this is what I'm going through in my inner world. Like I've got this pain, I've got this this, and I'm tired, and like all this stuff, and kind of communicating that, so you know where I'm at. But another like level two is also communicating how i'm perceiving what you're feeling. Absolutely. Because again, we going back to like the traits of a highly sensitive person, we're often very intuitive, we pick up on the energy of other people. So i'll pick up on like something that you're is unspoken and what you're doing and i will sometimes make not make up a story in my head, but i can make it mean something in my yeah. head without giving you the chance to really clarify. So i'll so i've learned now that i'll say like hey, I'm picking up some energy on that and I'm feeling like it's because of this and you're like, oh my gosh, no, 100%, I'm not feeling yeah. that way at all. It's just that I actually am you know, on a time crunch with this other thing and exactly. so that's what you're picking up on yeah. and, and so then I'll go, oh, okay. And yeah. so that's, that's another tip that I would give people is get comfortable expressing your inner world and how you're feeling to your partner but also get comfortable expressing what you're picking up from them so that they can actually verify that.
1: Yeah. And it's the love that is it Brene Brown who has the story I'm telling myself. Yes. Yeah. I
0: think in one of her books, she talks about this of just verbalizing and saying, okay, the story that I'm making up about this This interaction or this thing that happened is X, Y, and Z. And that allows that to be on the table so that the person can be like, Oh no, that's not what I'm feeling at all. Exactly. So,
1: All right, you want to wrap up there? And if folks want more discussion about this, they can send us an email and we can maybe, if you have questions. I hope that was
0: helpful. I don't feel like we came to any real sort of solutions, but this is just what it's like.
1: Don't you know this about our podcast? We don't come to solutions.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, that's not the point of this podcast. We're solution-less.
1: It's just less solutions. That's all. (laughs) That's our podcast, Less Solutions. No
0: rules, just right, Less (laughs) Solutions.
1: (laughs) Gouda cheese. Get some Gouda cheese. Uh, we really appreciate you folks listening. We hope this episode was helpful, especially for the fellow HSPs out there.
0: I love all your beautiful sensitivities. And just know that there's one person on the other end of this microphone.
1: It's definitely not two. <laughs>
0: is going through it, too. Yeah,
1: there's, there's another person who doesn't understand at all what you're feeling <laughs> at all. But I'm doing my best. That's all you I do can do. You do a great job. That's and, all I can and try and do. And thanks for
0: never making me feel broken. Only metaphorically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Should have gone with the wabi-sabi first. That that would have been great. Babe, you did great. Oh, thank you. Uh, All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. And again, if you want to hear more discussion of specifically this topic, shoot us an email. Hello at wanderinggameplay.com. Feel free to ask any questions. We'll save them in our notes, and we'll maybe come back to it if we get enough questions to come back around to this topic. Great. Okay. Everybody
0: go take a nap and rest. Yeah. Love you. Don't
1: bite your lip.